What is up guys? It is Quinn here back with another fantasy football video. And today we are going through some must draft running backs. So these are players that I think you should be heavily targeting in fantasy drafts. I think there are great values at their current ADP. I think they're set up to, you know, outperform where you're drafting them. And so I just think these are like four or five players that you guys should really be looking to acquire in fantasy football. I'm going to be using four for four ADP, you know, to kind of figure out where these guys are going. It kind of takes a bunch of different platforms, combines the ADP together to kind of give you like a consensus ADP. So that's where I'm getting, you know, the price of these players. If you're enjoying the video, do me a huge favor, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. But let's just get into the first player. And this is someone who I really been on like all off season. And that is Leonard Fournette. Right now he is coming off the board as the RB12 and a late second round pick. To me, this just doesn't make a lot of sense. I think you're looking at guys like Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift. I think Leonard Fournette is a lot closer to those guys than he is like a late second, early third round selection. I mean, you just look back to last season. He was the RB4 in points per game. He really gets all the valuable touches you're looking for. In fantasy football, you want targets, you want receptions, and you want the ball near the goal line for your running backs. Leonard Fournette was third in targets, receptions, and red zone touches. So he is getting the valuable work in this Buccaneers offense. I think this is a situation where you're looking at the backfield, they lose Ronald Jones, they bring in Rashad White. No one's going to come in and really compete with Leonard Fournette for like a ton of opportunities. I really liked Rashad White coming out of college. I think he can be a three down back in the NFL, but the Buccaneers committed financially to Fournette, gave him a three-year, $21 million deal. That is significant money for a running back. And you have Brady coming back. Personally, I just think Brady kind of trusts Fournette. Fournette has earned that level of trust with Brady. He trusts him in the receiving game. Fournette is a very, very solid pass protector. And I just don't think you're going to see a rookie running back come in and play like meaningful snaps on this offense. You know, he could come in, change a pace, get a few snaps here and there. But I don't think he's going to be taking away from like the core of Leonard Fournette's workload. When you're looking at this Buccaneers offense, I think earlier on in the offseason, a lot of people were projecting Leonard Fournette to lose out on receiving work because he was, you know, number three in targets, number three in receptions. And I could see a little bit of regression there. But then you look at some of, you know, the changes that have happened. So they bring in Russell Gage. Antonio Brown is gone. Rob Gronkowski retires. This is a situation where this offense is not as stacked as it's been, you know, the last two seasons. You don't have an elite tight end. You have Godwin coming off the ACL. So I think this is a spot where Fournette could actually be, or maybe not Fournette, but just the overall running back position could be even more involved in the passing attack. And so that's something that's obviously going to benefit Leonard Fournette. And I think could actually keep his targets, receptions, target share in the same range that it was last season. Another potential thing to note is I did talk about that downgrade in weapons. Last season, the Bucks were super pass heavy and they were not run heavy at all. So they were actually first in pass attempts per game. And they were first by a pretty wide margin, 3.4 attempts. There wasn't a team over uh, 40 pass attempts per game besides the Buccaneers. And then they were the second fewest rush attempts per game in the entire NFL. So with these new changes, we know they have a super strong offensive line. I wouldn't be surprised if that pass attempt number goes down. Not saying they're going to plummet to like mid-tier in the NFL. But even if they're like top five, throwing it 38, 39 times a game. That still opens up a few more rushing opportunities. Maybe they have the sixth fewest, seventh fewest. You know, it's not massive changes, 
but these are just things that could add to Fournette's potential workload. But either way, you know, Fournette is capable in the receiving game. He is capable on the ground. We know this unit is going to be high scoring. He was the RB4 last year without even putting together like insane touchdown numbers. He is always going to be in a range of having like a 15, 16 touchdown season if he stays healthy. So I really like Leonard Fournette in the late second. I think he should be being picked probably early second at the latest mid-second round. That's where I'd be comfortable taking him. So I really like Fournette. If you're drafting like one, two, three, and you're able to snag him, you know, on the second round, late second, I think that is fantastic value. And if you are picking in that spot, you may be able to snag this next player in the third round. And that is crazy because it is Saquon Barkley. He's coming off the board as the RB14 in early third round pick. Now, I imagine in more competitive leagues, he's probably going more late to mid-second. But I think in more casual leagues, you're going to have a lot of people fading him just because of the injury history. But with Saquon Barkley, I feel like there's no mystery here. You are chasing him because of his elite ceiling. He's a guy when healthy. He can be a top three running back, if not the number one running back you know, for fantasy football in the NFL. This is a player who averaged 24.1 PPR points per game as a rookie. And these are just like a ton of stats from his rookie season. Because, you know, we're a few years removed from it. That was, I believe, in 2018. So we haven't seen that elite ceiling in a while. Injuries have kind of hindered it. But I just kind of want to remind people how good this player is when he is fully healthy. So this is as a rookie, first year in the NFL, number one in weighted opportunities, number one in evaded tackles, and then also number one in yards created, number two in dominator rating, number three in carries, number two in, uh, no, number two in carries, number two in rushing yards, two in receptions, and two in routes run, number three in targets, red zone touches, touchdowns, and breakaway runs. This is a guy who can be efficient. He can also carry a massive workload or has that potential to be, you know, a workhorse running back. And you're looking at the injuries, high ankle sprain in 2019, ACL in 2020, early in the 2021 season, week one, week two, he was kind of getting back to normal. Week three, week four, the man was popping off. Then he just has a fluke thing, low ankle sprain, steps on a guy's ankle. You're not even in the play. He didn't have the ball, just kind of watching, steps on a dude's ankle. It's just unlucky. So here, you know, last season, you were drafting Saquon mid to late first round. That's a lot of risk for someone coming off of an ACL. Now he is a full season removed from that ACL tear. He's going to be healthy coming into the season. There's nothing that tells me he's like significantly more likely to get injured than any of these other running backs. So I'll be swinging for the fences here on Saquon and going after that massive ceiling. The next player I'm going to be going after at the running back position is also going in the third round, and that is James Conner. Right now, he's coming off the board as the RB15, a mid-third round pick. He was the RB9 in points per game last season, really came out of nowhere. Like, he was going eighth round or later, so he was an absolute, you know, steal in drafts. Could have been a league winner on your roster. But I feel like there's this weird kind of mix of people who are very in on James Conner, and some people are very, very out. And I do understand kind of both angles here. The people who are in are looking at his production last year, RB9 in points per game. You're looking at that running back room. You're losing, you know, the guy who was the third down back, Chase Edmonds. You think he can take that leap. Personally, I am more in that camp than the other side who's like, you know, he's going to lose out on the receiving work again. He was super touchdown dependent last year. It was true. He does carry some characteristics of like, 
a dead zone running back that you want to avoid. But I feel like some people are kind of too quick to write off the fact that he could be a three down back, right? He was the RB9 last year, basically being, you know, the early down guy when Chase Edmonds was on the field and he was touchdown dependent. But say worst case scenario, he keeps that same role. He is not touchdown dependent anymore. You know, he scores 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns. Maybe that's a stretch, whatever, 10 touchdowns. He's still probably finishing as like a mid-tier running back, you know, mid-tier running back two. So maybe he's not living up to that RB15, but it's not like he's going to be a massive bust. This is still going to be a really strong offense. However, if he takes over that third down role, you could be looking at a massive ceiling player going here in the third round. So these were the games without Chase Edmonds. And this is why I'm kind of optimistic that he can be that three down back. Because it's not like when Chase Edmonds went down, they were so eager to throw in someone else to be the third down guy. Like earlier in the offseason, people were hyping up Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin did nothing when Chase Edmonds was out. So these are the games without Chase Edmonds. Week 9, week 10, week 11, week 13, 14, and then 18. James Conner averaged 26.1 PPR points per game. This man went absolutely nuclear. And then this was his workload. 16.7 carries per game and then 5.3 targets per game. This man just took on Chase Edmonds receiving work. He did all of it, and he was successful in doing it. This is not a situation where James Conner is a bad pass catcher. He actually led the NFL in catch rate, caught 92.7% of his targets. I'm not saying that's something that's going to stick into next year, and I'm not saying he's like an elite receiving back, but he can totally get the job done. They committed to him financially, three years, $21 million. Like, this is a situation where he's competing with Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams, Keontae Ingram. I think there's a legit shot James Conner is the guy here. And even if you're looking at, like, half of the third down work, if you're looking at a workload of 17 carries, you know, three, three and a half targets per game, that is something that can still finish as, like, a mid-tier running back, too, especially on a good offense. We know he can have these boom touchdown seasons. So I'm very, very in on James Conner. I think him going in the mid-third is a mistake. I would take him as early as like probably the late second round. I think that's where he probably should be going, but you're getting him at a value here in the mid-fifth round, and I would definitely be taking advantage of it. And then on to the fourth and fifth in the final players here is going to be Travis Etienne and Brees Hall. And I actually just recently talked about these players in my mid-round running back targets, so I'm not going to go you know super into these guys. I feel like you're drafting them for pretty similar reasons. Right now, ETN is going off the board as the RB19, a late fourth round pick. You have Hall at RB23, early fifth. And here, these are the types of players you want to target in the dead zone. If you guys have heard of the running back dead zone, it's kind of like round three to like six area. Typically, it's like these veteran guys. You're kind of hoping they get a ton of volume. They're not super efficient. This year, I think the dead zone is a little less prominent. But if you're going to be taking stabs at guys round four, round five, at the running back position, you want it to be these young players who have this untapped potential. We have never seen Travis Etienne play in a regular season NFL game. Same thing for Brees Hall. We do not know how these players are going to be used. I'm a believer in both of these guys' talents. I think they are clearly the best running backs on their teams. Etienne is going to be competing with James Robinson coming off an Achilles tear. Brees Hall is competing with Michael Carter, who was okay last season, but the Jets clearly felt the need to go out, trade up to draft Brees Hall. So I believe both of these players are going to be the workhorses of their offense. And even if they're not the workhorses, I still think they could be solid mid to back end running back twos.
But if they can secure that massive workload, I mean, you're looking at absolute steals here because these are the players who I think when we're looking at them in 2023, these guys could be locked in first round picks, right? They have a massive season this year, and then they're just staples in the first round for the next two, three, four seasons, you know, while they are in their primes. So those are the five running backs. We had Fournette, Saquon Barkley, James Conner, and then the two young backs, Travis Etienne and Brees Hall. So those are five players that I think are like must drafts at the running back position. Let me know what you guys think about these players down below in the comment section. And then also stay tuned because tomorrow I'm going to be doing the same video, but I will be talking about wide receivers. So same style, but just going through the wideouts. So that'll be another good one. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.